This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Swing a line drive, left field, Benintendi coming on, dives, and did he make the catch? He did! He got it! Here we go. It's time to party. Right here. 3-2. High drive! He crushed it! It's a grand slam! Swing and a miss, frankly, it's over! Welcome to Benny and the Bets Podcast. Can you believe it? Here's your host, Terry Cushman. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Benny and the Bets podcast covering Boston Red Sox baseball. Red Sox just wrapped up a two-game set against the Colorado Rockies, sweeping the series two games to nothing. I am Terry Coachman, and I'm joined, as always, by uh, Matt Clark and... uh, just the two of us tonight on this weird West Coast uh, week. Yeah, it seems uh, with with a couple of off days this week, it definitely seems a lot different. Yeah, absolutely. Still got three more uh, games to go against Anaheim. And I guess one takeaway from uh, all this for me is, uh, you know, typically we dread these west coast swings but we've fared pretty well i mean we swept this series lost what one to the padres so you know four out of five so far and i think we're set up pretty good against the angels who are playing like it's the last week of september basically yeah i mean they they have definitely looked a lot better um I know this month was was fairly weak opponents, so I'm just looking real quick to see what their last what they are in their last ten games. Um, seven and three in their uh, last ten. Actually. Seven and three. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and uh, you know, obviously they're. Uh, I mean, they're four and a half back of of Tampa Bay now. Um, you know, they're five and a half back of Oakland. So really they'd have to have an incredible run probably to catch either one of them, but at least it's nice to see them play some decent baseball and hopefully it continues down the stretch. Um, you know, give some hope for next year. Uh, team's not like coming apart at the seams or anything like that. They seem to be kind of holding it together. So that offers some, some, uh, hope for next year. Yeah, you know, and the unfortunate thing here is is that every other team except for maybe the Rays is uh, doing what they're supposed to do and they are winning games. I saw somewhere today, I think Christopher Smith uh, tweeted out that the um, Oakland A's only have seven games in the month of September against teams that are 500 or better. So, yeah, that and and I think Tampa Bay's schedule gets much easier too. They really needed to gain ground. I I know I said this. I think uh right after the trade deadline uh and and where they slipped a little bit that hey, 
you know, they, they do have an easier schedule in August, but they're going to have to make up all their ground there because it becomes very difficult for them in September and easy for the other two teams. And, uh, I mean, they made up maybe a game and a half over the that, that span. So um, some of that's, you know, they, they lost some games they should have won, and some of it's just the uh, play of both Oakland and Tampa Bay, although – Tampa Bay's a little banged up right now. It seems like they keep dropping some guys and uh, to injury. So it'll be interesting to see if they can stay afloat if they get Glass now and and um, Snell back. You know, all of a sudden that that may spark that team to play a little better. So it'll be interesting to watch those two teams play. And like I said, hopefully Boston can continue playing fairly well down the stretch. I think Tampa is going to continue their slide, but. Oakland with the schedule being uh, as weak as it is and their pitching rotation really firing on all cylinders and their bullpen as well. It's just reeling them in is going to be tough. And the Red Sox have uh, a fairly tough schedule uh, ahead. I got it right here. There, uh, we got Anaheim this weekend, so not nothing to worry about there. But then there is uh, a series at home against both the, uh, basically the next homestand actually is the Twins and the Yankees. Then we got a two-game set against the Phillies. Uh, the Rays come up. The Giants come to town, uh, and then we uh, still go to Texas, and there. Hovering around 500, so uh, I just figure, you know, where we're going to be in their stadium, you know, who knows really what to expect, especially if we got to face Lance Lynn and Mike Miner uh, somewhere in that series. So we don't have it easy by any means, and we're going to have to earn it <laughs> if, uh, if we're going to wiggle into a spot there. But... The team definitely isn't playing like they're out of it. So, uh, you know, at least we have that for now. But uh, let's go ahead and uh, get into Heroes. Well, it's just going to be Heroes tonight. And because there's really no viable zeros other than maybe Josh Smith, who wouldn't have been in that game anyway unless we were way ahead. Uh, You know, he pitched a dud, gave up four earned runs. So we're going to cancel the zeros part, but we'll double up on the the heroes, especially where there's only two of us. So go ahead. Who's your first uh, hero? Uh, Xander Bogarts is the easy selection on this one. He went five for eight, four runs, uh, three home runs, four RBIs. Um, You know, he had one home run in the first game and two in the second. Uh, That second game, that's his fifth multi-home run game this year. Uh, Ties Nomar for the most uh, multi-home run uh, games by a Red Sox shortstop in one season. Uh, the guy's just, he's having a phenomenal season. Uh, now he's hitting 311 on the, on the year, 30 home runs, 100 RBIs, 967 OPS, chipped in four stolen bases. I mean, he's doing it all. He's playing great defense. It's just, he, he, he endeavors continue to impress. Um, their numbers are just ridiculous this year. There's been a lot of talk over the left side of Boston's infield, you know, being one of the best in baseball. But how's how's this stat for you? 
uh, Bogart's endeavors each have exceeded 90 extra base hits on the season. Guess when the last time that was done? Two players on one team exceeding 90. Um, no idea. 1927, Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig. I'm not surprised by that. So, that's, that's incredible. That's good company to keep. Yeah, I think that settles uh, the best uh, left side of any infield this year. And, you know, we were playing uh, the the Rockies, of course, and Nolan Arenado, perennial MVP candidate. I, he hasn't won it yet, but he's usually in the top three or four and, you know, got a massive contract over the uh, off season, But I, I've been calling uh, Devers uh, Deverado, you know, because we got a pretty good, uh, you know, third baseman too. And it's like, two of the best third basemen in the sport. I mean, who else is there? Maybe Bregman. And I don't know what kind of a year Chris Bryant's having, but he's usually in that conversation. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think Devers and, and Bregman are definitely the clear-cut guys. And then, I mean, you would talk about left sides in the infield. Uh, Colorado's left side of the infield can't be too far behind Boston. I mean, with Story and Arenado there, I mean, that's that's pretty pretty good left side of the infield as well. So it's kind of cool to see that showcased. Um, you're right. I, I don't think there's – I don't even think it's close who's who's the best left side of the infield in baseball. I don't, I don't think – even with Arenado as amazing as he is, and, I mean, he's a top – easy a top five player in, in all of baseball you know devers is kind of he, he's really brought the game up there and and i think bogarts is uh, as good as story is 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 far better than him so uh yeah i mean it's it's incredible to watch these guys and they're doing it night in and night out and um you know i'm looking at the numbers that they're putting up already and we still have a month to go in the season so uh when it's all said and done I, you know obviously i don't think either one of them win nvp but Man, that's uh, that's a pretty solid uh, one-two punch. Absolutely, and uh, you know, even if we don't extend Devers, I think we have him for at least four or five more seasons uh, after this, and uh, Bogarts uh, as well. So, assuming he doesn't opt out, but I, th- I think the Red Sox will, uh, you know rip up his deal and sign him to a new one. I think I think Bogarts wants to stay here his entire career. Um, my hero, uh, first one for the series, will be uh, J.D. Martinez, who, uh, pretty good uh, this series. Not quite uh, as good as Bogarts, but he was 4 for 10. Uh, one home run, uh, 4 RBI, and uh, scored 3 runs on the series. Continues to heat up. I don't know. You know, we got the whole month of September still to go. And as he heats up, it kind of reminds me of that 2017 uh, season where he was traded to the Diamondbacks and hit something like 28, 29 home runs or something in the two months he was there. And they got into the wild card, won that, and then I think they got swept by the Dodgers in the NLDS. But 
Um, we've seen him get hot late, and he's in a contract year essentially because of the opt out. So he can, you know, he can opt out if he chooses. I, I still don't think that the market is going to be very robust for him. But he, if he does opt out, he could also leverage uh, a good second half here, um, you know, to kind of force the Red Sox to rework his deal, you know, with an extra year or two in his favor. And so I think, I think that's at the forefront of his mind. And, I, you know, and I think he's still also trying to help get this team into – a wild card spot as you know daunting as that may be right now but you know looking very much like the 2018 version of himself yeah i mean he's uh yeah he's definitely going to collect more money this year uh i think the red sox will pay him but i mean he's you look at uh, you know, there's a good chance that he could match last year's home run total of 43. I mean, it's is it hard to believe, you know, that he might hit another 10, 11 home runs? I mean, he's at 32 right now. He'd need 11. Uh, the past month, he's hit 10. So, uh, you know, to hit 10 and, and bat 394 over the last month, uh, 24 runs, 26 RBIs, uh, that's, that's just an insane clip. Um, so... Over the last week, he hit he hit four home runs with twelve RBIs, four twenty nine average. Um, you know, there's a good chance he's going to eclipse. He needs thirteen more RBIs to get over a hundred. Uh, the batting average is is sitting at three fourteen on the year, which you know, um, listen, last year's numbers were just insane. At three, you know, to hit three thirty. Uh, 130 RBIs, 111 runs scored, 43 home runs. I mean, that's most years an MVP caliber season. Um, unfortunately, his teammate was was just as incredible. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, you watch this guy. He's just the he's one of the most proficient hitters I've ever seen. I mean, he's a student of the game, and it's just it's fun to watch him when he's locked in because when he's locked in, he's as hard as anybody to get out. Yeah, and I last year was insane, and and it seemed like he and Mookie were competing for the uh, you know a possible uh, MVP vote, and Martinez didn't really uh, factor into it, and I'm not sure he ever will, you know, due to the fact that he plays. Probably eighty percent of his games every year uh, as a DH, and uh, you know, so I don't think he'll be in that conversation. Uh, actually, well, he was fourth in the running overall, I guess. So, yeah, pretty pretty high enough, actually. So, um, well, I mean, both of them all year were were fighting. Uh, it looked like either one of them could win triple crown. I think they were. They were kind of neck and neck in a lot of those categories. So, I mean, it just tells you what an incredible season to, to have two teammates like that. And now you look at, you know, Bogart's endeavors are kind of in the same situation. If, if can you imagine what this team might have been able to do if they had the numbers? If um, Martinez and, and Betts were putting up the numbers they did last year, in addition to Bogart's endeavors putting up these numbers, I mean, 
Absolutely. It, this offense is is not going to stop ticking, and and um, you know, yes, Benintendi's had a little bit of a down year, but uh, you know, it's it's. I'm looking at some of these numbers from last year, and a lot of these guys are pretty much on par with what they were doing last year offensively. Um, there's very few guys that have really dropped off, and then you've had a couple who have taken major steps forward, including Vasquez and and Bogarts and and Devers. So. Yeah, it's it's a good core. It's it's definitely fun to watch, and you know, I I don't think that any of this is uh, it's a coincidence that JD Martinez uh, coming over to Boston has helped all these hitters, you know, get better as as a student in the game and somebody who's constantly teaching these other guys and working with them on their hitting. I I just think that 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 in itself is kind of a an added value that's worth paying up for. Yeah, you know, the the tandems have switched, kind of like you said, you know, Mookie, J.D. last year, uh, Devers, Bogarts this year. So I'm going to call it right now, 2020, it's going to be Benintendi and Chavis. They're going to be the two yeah. that lead the pack. And that very, very well could be. <laughs> I think Benintendi is going to have a step up, though. I'm, I'm sticking to my guns on that one. I don't know about Chavis, but... Um, I'm pretty content, you know, with what I've seen from Chavis this year as a rookie. So I, I think his, his ceiling is still definitely, uh, much higher. Uh, Mookie, you know, we're thinking won't be here next year. So he could potentially not, excuse me, play a role in, um, you know, in, in, you know, a type of race like that, but uh, anyway, so let me, uh, let me throw something out to you sure. real quick. I just was thinking. I mean, I know on previous show we talked about if Betts gets traded, what do you replace in the outfield? Uh, let me throw a hypothetical out there. What if uh, would you be comfortable as a Sox fan if if they trade him away and they get good young pitching, and your outfield now consists of you you have um, you know Bradley Jr. still out in center field. You move Benintendi over to right field and move uh, Sam Travis to left field, so it frees up time. Uh, let's say maybe for Bobby Dahlback at first. So then you're going to put Chavis at second. Chavis at second, correct? Okay. Um, yeah, um, I kind of think Chavis could potentially be a left fielder. You know, I think he's athletic enough. Second base wasn't really daunting for him. I, I kind of see Travis, and I, I think Travis will be with the club. I think he'll spend most of the next season at the major league level. He's going to run out of options at, at some point anyway, but um, I see him more as like a platoon guy. Platoon. Yeah, like maybe they ease Dahl back in or – he just kind of splits time between first and and left field at times, or I I don't know. I I kind of see I kind of see Travis as the new Moreland, you know, if all goes that's well. Fair. That's that's fair. That's a good uh, probably a fairly decent comp too. Yeah, but I mean, if he gets hot, uh, Sam Travis. I mean, they you know they people have a way of forcing themselves. Uh, into the lineup so and then there's injuries as well so so many things can can factor in but it's it's nice to have an expensive young depth you know to 
kind of play around with, so to speak. But, but, and it's going to be interesting, you know, because I don't know if Dombrowski is going to be the guy, uh, you know, calling the shots. You know, for well, I'm wondering if they if they continue to play well down the stretch, if if he doesn't return next year. That crossed um, my mind, and I think I meant to bring that up. I, I was just kind of because I, you know, poor Cello is is pitching well, but I guess there was some his his heat map from the his start showed a lot of four seamers right over the plate, and for whatever ever reason, Colorado couldn't really do much with him, whereas the Yankees probably would have tattooed him. You know, and he gave up like a that. lot of hits. They just you know, he somehow limited the damage to those hits because he gave up. He gave up eight hits. Yeah. So Erod gave up I, nine. I mean, yeah. And that that is a lineup though that that can hit, but but you know, with Por- Porcello having a pretty decent month, um, I just kind of wonder if he's gonna force his way back next year. Because I wouldn't be surprised if he came on a one-year show-me deal. And, and I'll be honest with you, I don't hate it. I, I think he can eat innings. I've, I've talked about this and I've beat this drum before. But, you know, he goes out there and at least gives him a chance to win. I mean, yeah, it's been ugly at times. And the ERA has really creeped up the last two years. But if he can go out there, you know, he usually gets rocks in one inning out of the, out of the game. It's not like he's consistently bad. He just has one. It's usually the first inning. But if he can hang in there for five or six innings, somehow, you know, give up three or four runs in that that one inning, and shut him down the rest of the way, and and at least bridges to the bullpen. So I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think he, it's the worst case scenario that he comes back. I mean, I'm a little tired of the inconsistency, but but. I I would like bringing him back better if you could guarantee me that that sale and price are going to stay healthy and somewhat effective, you know, an ERA under four, you know, even if it's in the upper threes, you know, if you could guarantee... Sale, price, and Evaldi. I mean, there's a lot of health risk all of a sudden in that rotation. Exactly, and, you know, Erod as well. I mean, he's had some lower body injuries and... This is the first year that he's, um, you know, basically, I don't know if he's going to reach 200 innings or not, but it'll be close enough, uh, you know. So, yeah. you know, so with that being said, you know, ideally, you know, we would move on and, and get someone solid. And um, Garrett Cole is a Boris guy, and he's probably going to be looking at a deal close to 200 I was listening to uh, the Buster Olney podcast and him and Keith Law were speculating and Keith Law gave like this crazy scenario I didn't agree with. Uh, like it was 37 a year for six years. So that brought it up into like the 220s, you know, so that's more than Grinky and Cole will be right around 30, I think. And that could be possible, and and Boris is going to – he knows that Cole is the premier guy, so he's going to have a ton of leverage. But um, you still got Mad Bum out there, and, you know, if – I think if the Red Sox were to make a move like that, they would probably – that would be a late signing where they would let the market come down to them, you know, and – 
go that route. Jake Odorizzi, I know, is a uh, free agent, so that's a potential, you know, option rather than Porcello. Um, but it's just tough. It's it's hard to be optimistic, and I think the Red Sox need to kind of revamp their whole pitching coaching staff because. Like I've said in recent episodes, the Astros can sign anybody they want and turn them into a minimum of a number three level pitcher. And the Red Sox can't do anything with anyone, it seems like. Uh, You know, they just have to have a lot of, you know, they just have to have a good track record and just be talented enough to work themselves out of their slumps because, I mean... The whole pitching staff outside of Rodriguez really underperformed this year. And so it just makes me that much more pessimistic. But, but, well, it also makes you wonder how much of that was injury. I mean, now looking back on it, you know, Price is saying that he pitched when, when he was getting absolutely obliterated there for like four or five straight games. He said he pitched through this wrist thing with that and, and, and never said anything. Um, and I, I remember kind of in the midst of that, somebody saying that they saw him shaking his, his hand in the bull, or while he was throwing in the bullpen, warming up and, and grimacing in pain, and he was shaking his wrist. Um, so maybe, maybe he was playing through that. I don't know. Maybe maybe Sal really wasn't healthy, you know, most of the year. Um, and obviously, if all these struggles have been because he's not healthy, maybe health is as big as anything. I mean, the bullpen, the bullpen just sucks. I think they just relied on a lot of guys who had flash in the pan years last year and, you know, maybe weren't as good and, and regressed back to the, the mean. And, um, you know, they, they need some more reliable guys with longer track records because most of these guys had only pitched, you know, the, in, in spot situations last year or in short terms. And, and I think that some of these guys got figured out and, Maybe some of them just were just played out of their minds last year, like everybody else. So I don't know. Uh, that, that said, I, I'm not sure that the, the, the pitching coach is that fantastic. Uh, I would like to get somebody a little bit better in there. Um, I wish somehow they could they could pry like a racers or somebody like that away. Um, I don't know if that's ever possible, but um, I, I, it. it it would be interesting to see that that change with one of those guys that's that's a known you know pitching genius. But uh, yeah, I could definitely see him bringing Porcello back. I could see you know with this recent run, Dombrowski, yeah, the, the cries for his head have have lessened a little bit more of late. Now, if they fall off the map in September, they're going to probably get loud again. But for right now, everybody just seems content because they're playing decent ball, even though they're not in the uh, heading towards the playoffs. Well, I keep going back to that quote where Henry said before the season started, it doesn't make much sense to let your GM go into his lame duck season. So if he really means that, is is Dombrowski more likely to get an extension or is he more likely to be cut loose? I think it's going to be contingent on what the team does this last month. I mean... If they absolutely fall on their face and look ridiculous and just get blown out by a bunch of these teams, and I mean it's still a possibility they're playing some pretty good teams, then yeah, I think he's gone. Um, now, if they play, you know, 
uh, at a decent clip and they win some of these, which is also a possibility because they're getting healthy and they're getting some, well, somewhat healthy. They're getting price back, which is better than Brian Johnson. Um, but they're, uh, you know, maybe, you know, if Avaldi starts pitching a little bit better, they, they have a chance to make a, a decent run down there. I don't think they're getting in, but it may be enough for ownership to have their faith restored and the fan base have their faith restored in Dombrowski. So I don't know. I, I really think it's contingent on what happens this next month. I saw something earlier from Red Sox stats or something like that that um, was talking about Nathan Avaldi's velocity kind of dropping as of late. So, um, you know, that's something that needs to be monitored here, you know, after his next start or appearance, however they intend to utilize him. I mean, he's basically being used as an opener a multi-inning opener lately just because his efficiency isn't there and you know he's he's given up a couple of three spots I think and um so you know we'll see I I still think he's a bullpen arm but uh but speaking of uh bullpen arms I was kind of looking up free agent relievers and next year's free agent class or this winter's free agent class I should say is nowhere near as deep as last year. I mean, last year you had, you know, David Robertson, Zach Britton, Adam Ottavino, Kelvin Herrera, um, and three or four others. It was just an insanely deep free agency class. The the three top guys this year, from what I can see, is Rodas uh, Vizcano of, uh, I think, the Braves right now. Um, then there's Tony Watson and Will Smith, both with the Giants. They're free agents, so not not a lot to look. Chapman is out there too. If he opts out, I believe, and uh, Dylan and, and they've already said he's going to. So, oh, is he? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, no, he said he was opting out. He definitely was. He he announced that uh, probably a month or so ago. Huh. I wonder. Uh... I wonder how that fits. I, I yeah, I, I don't want to say. I don't want him. I don't want him. I'm just saying he's got to probably be considered up towards the, you know, the top of that that list of of relievers. But there's, you're right. There's not a lot of closers last year. Uh, you know, other ones that you have are, are Dylan Batances. I was just gonna mention um, him. Yeah. Sean, I, I don't know if you mentioned Sean Doolittle, although he do, the club does have an option. And uh, Kenley Jansen has an opt out as well, and he's been terrible. Which that would be very late. interesting. I, yeah, yeah, I I might stay away from him just with the heart issues. He's had a couple of procedures, and and he he's is in danger of losing his uh, closing job here uh, with the Dodgers uh, going forward. I I was listening uh, to that today on the only podcast and. Uh, so, I don't know. Now, when you say you don't want Chapman, is that a character thing? Or is it he's getting older and just inevitably is going to have a drop-off? Um, you know, I, I, it's a little bit of both. I, I do think he's a scumbag. Um, but also, um, you know, I, I just think he's more hittable. I don't think he's what he used to be a few years ago when he was the only guy that could touch, you know, triple digits all the time. 
now pretty much anybody coming out of the bullpen is is hitting high 90s and, and into the hundreds. So I think guys have figured out that that high heat fastball uh, that that was his his character or his uh, characteristic pitch. Um, it's uh, you know so I I just don't think he's he's anywhere near as as dominant as he was. So I'm just not interested. He's looking for big money. Uh, I'd rather have you know. Try to fill. I, I know Jake Diekman is another one. I believe that's out there. Uh, that uh, I think he got. I believe he got traded at the deadline. I can't remember where he went to, um, but he was a guy that that I thought was really good uh, and kind of has been pretty solid. So, I mean, there's there's going to be some guys out there. Um, let me throw this out there. I mean, we talked about the Garrett Cole, a guy that I wouldn't mind seeing Boston go after, and I don't know how much they'd have to throw out to him. It would be Robbie Ray. Well, he's uh, starter. got, I think, one year left, though, doesn't he? Oh, I'm sorry. He, uh, he, he maybe, let me see. Maybe I was looking at 20. Uh, uh, that may have been. Yeah, I, I think he because uh, the they were asking an insane price uh, for the Yankees um, in a possible trade, so I, I want to say he's uh, signed through twenty twenty. And yeah, um, he is. You're right. He I, is. A, I would wow. would have loved that as well had he been a free agent and probably would have focused right in on him. He is a lefty, though. You know, we got a ton of lefties, but. Um, but still, you know, the immense upside, you know, for probably nowhere near as much as, uh, Cole was going to cost. Um, right. Yeah. So that, that might be a name to look at though, after next season. Um, let, let me just skip ahead, um, to, to my hero kind of go out of order cause it, it goes with the bullpen and that is, um, Josh Taylor, who has been basically lights out. I mean, he's had a couple of uh, a bad early appearances where I know he gave up a four spot in uh, in one of those, but we got him in the uh, Devin Marrero trade from uh, you know the Diamondbacks uh, middle of last season, or was that two seasons ago? I think. And, uh, you know, he's basically been lights out. I mean, his, his ERA is uh, down to uh, 225. I'm struggling here with my notes. Here we go. 275, excuse me, with a 114 uh, whip. And uh, he's got five holds in uh, 39 games. And in his last... Uh, 26 outings. He uh, has a 140 ERA, and that that dates back to July 2nd. And this is in a a tweet from um, Christopher Smith. And I've kind of been high on him, and I know Marcus Walden was showing amazing potential, you know, through the first couple of months, and he's kind of come down to earth. Not terrible, but you know his. His ERA is in the mid threes. I think he did give up an earned run uh, in this in this Colorado series. But Taylor more and more looks like he's probably going to be a key cog uh, going forward with the 
uh, Red Sox bullpen here, and he's controllable for, um, I don't even know how long, at least the next four or five years. And I'm just wondering, with the emergence of him, Darwin's and Hernandez has, by and large, reined it in and punching people out. Another guy that's all of a sudden since he came back, I mean, Ryan Brazier, uh, six and a third innings, 10 strikeouts, 142 ERA, .79 ERA, or uh, whip, rather. That .79 whip is more in line with what he was doing in 2018 when he was so dominant. He had a .77 whip last year. So, um, you know, it it had jumped quite a bit um, for him. And as a result, you saw the ERA jump. But he's he's kind of looked like him old, his old self uh, since he came back from AAA. Um you know, I'm, I'm still, I still believe that Barnes is really good. Um, obviously, Workman's solid out there. So if you get all these guys going and, and you can add, I would like to see a, a proven closer. I don't care if they have to trade for somebody or, or find somebody that can close out games. Or, again, I mean, we're getting towards the end of the season. I, I'm still not sold that, that Workman's a closer. I just don't think he has the stuff. Uh, he's definitely got the makeup. But, um, you know, try some of these guys if, if you're out of it. See what Hernandez can do in a, in a safe situation um, or a Taylor or somebody like that. Maybe, you know, as it gets closer and it's obviously, you know, becomes a little more obvious that, that you're probably not going to go to the playoffs, try those guys. Um, and if you do have a closer there, add some veteran arms um, like a Deekman or somebody like that that's a low-cost arm. The bullpen has looked pretty good, um, minus Josh Smith, who really probably shouldn't be on a major league roster. Um, so, yeah, and uh, I, I'm wondering, too, uh, I read a tweet someplace that uh, that said Josh Taylor looks like Terry Cushman with long hair. So I'm wondering if that <laughs> has anything to do with you selecting him as, as your hero. Uh, no, I, I uh, haven't seen that tweet, but... Um, I think his face is a little chubbier than mine, but um, I just he's he's a solid lefty and uh, controllable for quite a while. I keep forgetting to um, see what his contract status is, but you got him and Hernandez, you know, long term. You have Workman through next year. Barnes is a free agent this year. These guys have been holding it down. And the Red Sox bullpen, the whole month of August, if you look it up, it's probably going to be one of the better bullpens in in Major League Baseball for that month. And I'm just wondering how the emergence of some of these guys is going to affect any offseason plans. And we don't really have Lakens and Feltman up yet, who are both guys that have been touted to be late inning long-term guys. So I, I don't think the casual fan can really sit through another winter of no, you know, bullpen upgrades, but these guys are starting to show us something. So I I just, it just kind of adds to the intrigue of how the cards are going to fall. Another name that I think It'll be interesting to see how he does, and I think he'll get a call up in, in September, is Tanner Houck. 
uh, and and he's been p- pitching pretty well as a bullpen arm down in AAA. So, I mean that that's another guy that can you could add to your your pen. And and there's been some guys that have pitched well that we haven't really seen, like Bobby Pointer, um, uh, trying, uh, that Mike Schwarin. Um, also, you've had um, trying to think, and all these guys are potential September guys, but um, you, Trevor Kelly. These guys have come up and showed some promise, so maybe they do have some young guys down there. I mean, I look at last year, uh, they traded away Ty Buttry for uh, Ian Kinsler in the Ian Kinsler deal, and, and he came up and he pitched lights out for uh, for Anaheim, and he was their closer. And, and, I mean, the guy was throwing – I watched him pitch uh, down here in Charlotte, and he was, you know, he was throwing 98 to 100. He, he was he – was, lighting up the radar gun and i'm like how boston you know their bullpen at the time was was not looking great and i'm like how have they not given this guy a shot he used to be a big prospect of theirs and i don't know maybe there are some guys down on that that farm and and they can figure it out and you know that'll be how september plays out may dictate what they do in the off season as far as reloading the bullpen i mean it sucks that we let Buttrey get away, and I wasn't really a big Kinsler guy anyway, you know. So, excuse me. It just it just sucks that we let a solid arm get away, and I I just think that 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 speaks to the organization's incompetence when it comes to identifying value and identifying talent with their pitching staff, whether it's at the major league level or the minor league level. And I mean, we could have used a guy like Buttrey all year. And I forget what the situation was last year. I know Nunez was healthy all year, you know, coming off of his injury. I don't think he went on the DL and Holt might've been on the DL to start the year, but um, I just couldn't, I just was surprised we, we gave up a, a significant prospect to go get a guy like Kinsler, and I don't think Kinsler. Well, he wasn't. He had lost the. He had lost the the prospect luster. But if you remember, Devers was basically out and wasn't playing well. Nunez was basically playing oh, third base last year. True. So think about how crazy that is for you know this turnaround with Devers. But um, and I think Holt was hurt, and obviously Pedroia was out. Although the the move, I didn't understand why they didn't make this move. If you're just getting a veteran who could play, they had Brandon Phillips in the minors all year, and they brought him up in, in September. Remember he had the big home run against the Yankees? I didn't understand why they didn't bring him up to, to play instead of getting rid of uh, Juarez and and, um, and Butchery. You know, he got rid of two high, you know, high-impact arms at the back end of the bullpen in AAA. Who were major league ready for, you know, an old second baseman, you know, who who was limited uh, when you had one in Brandon Phillips sitting right down in the minors. That it just, I don't understand. And, and Phillips was tearing it up in the minors and did actually pretty well last year when they brought him up in the very limited time he was up. I was surprised when he didn't make the postseason roster, but. Uh, yeah, okay, so that makes sense now. I, I forgot about the, uh, it was third base where we had the uh, lack of stability, you know, due to Devers' uh, inconsistency, and I think he did have an injury over the summer. I can't remember if it was a hamstring or something, but, uh, you know, he came up and started hitting pretty well in 
September, so that's probably why Phillips didn't get on the uh, postseason roster. But um, Endeavors was very good, you know, throughout the postseason. But uh, Kinsler, though, was more of a stabilizer to me, you know, and you know, ultimately, he wasn't. A, he didn't serve as a game changer. He did kind of hurt us in that 18 inning game of the World Series. Although Christian Vasquez was playing first base at that time probably the craziest game of my entire life really um but yeah i'm just saying i just i just wasn't a kinsler guy and to give up significant talent for him i just it's painful and getting back to the bullpen i'm just some of these guys are really starting to break out so i just I just wonder if they're going to roll with them. I mean, if Hernandez is looking like the guy we think he could be, he's basically a seventh or eighth inning guy. Uh, Josh Taylor, also a seventh, eighth, or ninth inning guy. You're going to have Workman, who is going to be highly serviceable. He got three punch outs uh, in game two of the series, I think. Um,. And, you know, so I agree, you know, with what you said earlier. He doesn't really have the makeup to be a closer, but still a guy that could wreak havoc late in games. And and then we're not even talking about Lakins or Feltman yet. So I think some of these guys are just emerging, and I'm not really expecting much more than maybe one significant – addition to the bullpen this winter if even that and and also you mentioned tanner hauk i think he's gonna he's gonna be stretched back out into a starting pitcher and i think that speaks to the question marks of of the health of the guys that you know we currently have so he could be starting games as early as uh, mid-spring next year i believe I thought they said that they determined they were going to keep him as a reliever going forward and not stretch him out. So I don't know. I've, I've heard conflicting reports. It'll, it'll definitely be interesting. But if they don't make any moves in the bullpen or, or only make one move or so, then, you know, what other moves do they make? What do they need to upgrade? Uh, I guess we'll throw that out there because, you know, outside of that and maybe adding one piece to the rotation – and maybe signing a little bit of depth that could be either long men or spot starters that don't suck, com- completely suck. Um, I don't see a lot of needs on this team. I, I don't, you know, first base, I think they've got pretty much set with, with Travis and, and Dahlbeck. Um, you know, second base, you could you could definitely go. I mean, Pedroia is coming back now. We saw that. Um, so you got that. <laughs> yeah, he and, ain't coming uh, back. Then you've got um, you've got Chavis that can play um, uh, if they choose. Maybe second base is the only other place if you don't feel Ch- Chavis is a viable second base option. But um, I- I'm trying to think. Um, you know, shortstop and, and third base, you're not changing. Uh, Vasquez, you're not you're not upgrading from there. And then their outfield, you know, unless they trade Mookie, there's nothing there. So. I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe they 
let me throw this out there. I know we all think they're going to trade Mookie, but if they don't feel like they have a lot of upgrades and there's not a ton of guys that they have to sign long-term, I mean, we have Benintendi and Devers, but that's a ways out. And they're probably looking at, okay, there are ways out and, and uh, Price's contract will be off the books by then and potentially J.D. Martinez because I think they both have four or five years before they're, you know, with arbitration and everything before they even really are, are up for contracts. So you have a while. They may not trade Mookie. They may end up giving him the money he's looking for, just playing it out and giving him the money. Uh, because there aren't a, huge, a lot of holes and we're actually freeing up a lot of money. So maybe some utility guys. I mean, I don't know. I, I saw Brock Holt. They're now saying like three years, like, you know, 27 30 to 36 million is the, I the saw range that. I saw, which, you know, I like Brock Holt, but I'm not sure I want to fork over that kind of money for him. I saw uh, so, that as well. I, I thought he would be more in line for a Moreland type deal, but but it could happen. And I still hope they they don't they don't unload on Mookie. I you know I just I'd hate to handcuff ourselves with a big contract like that. Um, I would rather see them prioritize a starter at this point. I just feel like that's going to be our most glaring need. I think it's a foregone conclusion that Chris Sale goes on the DL. I'm much more optimistic about Price giving you close to a full season. And Yeah, I mean, obviously it's, you know, the news this year on Sale makes you a little bit concerned, but I... I don't know. I could see them holding on to bets. I, I while everybody thinks he's going to get traded, I could see them offering and and potentially he softened more recently on his stance on some things and and has come out and said, hey, no, listen, I, I never said I didn't like Boston. I love it in Boston, and you know he's he said that he's he enjoys his team and he wants to be with his team. So he softened his stance a little bit. Um, I don't know. They may just determine that hey, we we just can't and. He may, you know, who knows? Maybe he takes a little bit less than we think. I I, I definitely don't think that's going to happen. I'll, I'll agree that there could be a possibility he doesn't get traded and then the Red Sox just settle for the qualifying offer. But when he has free agency, the Red Sox are going to have to win the bidding war. And I don't think they're going to go to war on Mookie. Well... Here's here. Let me throw this out too. Let's look at, you know, the last couple times we've had some big people out. Look at look at the last time that JD was out there. I mean, these guys, a lot of these guys, even Machado, the Machado deal, and um, you know, the, the Harper deal. They, these guys sat out there for a long time. The markets weren't as hot on them as everybody thought. There's not a lot of teams looking to throw down three, four hundred million, and and Boston may put their push their chips to the middle of the table and 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 bet it all in on on the fact that there's not going to be a huge bidding war. The Yankees aren't going to throw down on them, so that takes a huge dynamic out. You know, will the Dodgers, um, you know, what do they have out there in outfield right now? They've got Peterson, Bellinger, um, Verdugo. Um, That's basically it. That? Well, they got rid of Puig. Well, oh, oh, Pollock, A.J. Pollock. Oh, they do have So Pollock. they've got a few guys out there. 
maybe maybe they feel they're they're settled there and they don't need another outfielder. Um, and if it, you take those two players out, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, all it takes is one, but I, I don't see too many teams that are, you know, the other Los Angeles team already has their money locked into to Trout. They're not going to be involved. Well, maybe the, the Mets, you know, maybe the Braves. I, I don't know. But uh, I don't think there's going to be as many teams bidding huge dollars for him as, as people think. I think there will. And it'll be mostly National League teams. But I, I think the Phillies are probably the front runner, I would say. That's an owner that's perfectly willing to spend money. Um, the Braves, I think, you know... I'm shocked that Josh Donaldson is having as good a year as he is, just from a durability standpoint. And he's, I think, in his age 34 season, so he's not going to be commanding big money for much longer. And I see Atlanta as a pretty solid fit there, and I I think there would be some interest, um, you know, from Mookie because that's essentially his local team, you know, from Tennessee. Um, the Giants get involved a lot of the time and, and stuff like this, so they could be a dark horse. Uh, the White Sox are probably the one American League team that uh, could make a play for him. I don't think the the Yankees or the Astros, like you mentioned, will, and uh, certainly not the Angels. Um, the Cardinals, also a dark horse team. Maybe maybe the Cubs like Mookie Betts more than they like Chris Bryant. And and maybe Mookie becomes the priority for them. You know, that's that's a possibility, I think. And so I, I wouldn't rule it out, but I think there's going to be at least two teams that really hone in on him. And I don't think the Red Sox are going to want to go to war. And especially if it's a new GM... And and it will be a new GM if it happens after, well, it would happen after 2020, you know. So Dombrowski's contract expires at that point, and a lot of these younger guys just don't want to get involved with with those big contracts. You know, they're all about analytics and finding value other ways. I just so I think it's an extreme long shot. I, it's not all that far-fetched to me, like I said a minute ago, that he could come back next year and not get traded. You know, if there's no dance partners and the Red Sox just want to go for it, you know, kind of like the Giants did in a way. You know, not that they're in that same situation, but um, I don't know. That's we're, This is going to be the great debate until he either gets traded or <laughs> it's going to continue all through next year. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll tell you, I still think that uh, the Sox, another one, uh, if they could get Devers signed to essentially a deal that's comparable to what Acuna had, and I think that's a good comp as far as production. And, I mean, both those guys are superstars. They're both real young. I think they're around the same age. If they could get Devers to take that, and, and one, some people could argue that Acuna still is, I mean, Devers is having a great year this year. Acuna is having a great year, too. Um that may be the comp, and the Red Sox may be able to take that, and Endeavors may may take that just because, you know, for a lot of these guys, they're playing our rookie deals. That's 
that's nothing. And and somebody could get hurt, you know, tear your knee up or whatever. A lot of these guys jump on it. I mean, you saw it with um, with Acuna. You saw it with Kingery. You saw it with uh, Aloy Jimenez. So a lot of these a lot of these guys that are, are are real young playing on the rookie contract, you know, if they can get a hundred and some million dollars over you know a long period of time, they're jumping on it because that's more money than than they know what to do with compared to what they're currently getting. So, and and again with injuries and and just guys falling off or whatever, that's that's guaranteed. You're you're, you know, uh, anything can happen there. You, I, I remember. You know Grady Sizemore, how great he was, and and just dude had injuries that he could never overcome. Uh, there's there's plenty of those uh, um, examples out there. So I don't know. I th- that's a guy that I think I'm I'm focusing on too, and and trying to get some sort of friendly deal there. He will have four years remaining after this season, and I think let's see. That's exactly where Mookie Betts was when he turned down that $200 million extension. So uh, I think Acuna's deal maxes out at like 137 or so after the option. So I think Devers will probably cost a little bit more, you know, probably somewhere in between Acuna and that $200 million deal that Mookie turned down. But this, it's now or never. Like, if he doesn't, if they can't get it done this year, then, well, I shouldn't say never, but there's less and less incentive for Devers to take a semi-team-friendly deal, uh, you know, with each passing year. So, I think that's the utmost priority, and... We'll see if it happens. I thought Benintendi would be too, but he had an off year, and I think that kind of takes him out of play for a little while. You know, that might have to be revisited, uh, you know, coming into the 2021 season. But, but yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. There's so many questions coming into this offseason season. I don't remember one in any recent year where we're thinking, you know, is there going to be a rotation upgrade? Is there going to be a bullpen upgrade? Will Mookie get traded? Will JD opt out? Will they rework the deal? Will Dombrowski get fired? Huge, like, implications. And, you know, one of them affects the other. You know, there's... One of the moving parts kind of affects some of the other moving parts. So it's just, it's going to be really fascinating. A lot more exciting than last winter was, for sure. Uh, absolutely. Um, I'll hit on my last, uh, or my other uh, hero real quick. and um, So I, I went with, even though his numbers weren't fantastic, I mean, we touched, we touched on this before. Uh, I went with Rick Porcello. I mean, five innings, eight hits, two earned runs, five strikeouts, got the win. Again, pitched did just well enough to to get keep the Red Sox in the game, get the win. Um, you know, the eight hits is ugly. Uh, I don't believe he walked anybody, but you know, f- five strikeouts is is fair enough for him. 
Uh, but limiting it to two earned runs, I mean, this is what the Sox need if they're going to get into games. I mean, he's pitching just well enough to keep him in there. Um, you know, at this point, he's basically like a fifth starter, and he's doing what a fifth starter needs to do. He's not pitching fantastic. But if you can keep him in there and give five or six innings, then you've done your job. You're not eating up the bullpen. And um, so because he, he was able to do that, and that's that's going to be crucial if they if they want to win going forward, I, I went with him as, as a hero. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, his third or fourth good start in a row. And... Like I said, he's probably trying to make the case for the Red Sox to simply just bring him back next year. And um, if we're going to crawl back into this thing, we're five and a half out. You need him to, like you said, you need him to pitch the way he's been pitching. So, you know, we'll see. I mean, he's got uh, this this Anaheim series off. So he'll pitch against the twins where I think he pitched a gem against them earlier in the year. Um, six or seven scoreless innings, or maybe it was one run ball, but it, it was probably his best start of the year. So he'll, uh, he'll slot back into that, uh, series. And that's when we get back home. And, um, we got the Yankees right after. So he probably won't pitch against them, but, but good, good enough, yeah, good enough hero. And, uh, you know, of all the guys to figure it out, I, I didn't think it was going to be him. It was only, what, five starts ago he punched out those two flat screens. So, it, uh, that, Yeah, he's definitely come around. It's, uh, you know, before I think I joked that he, he pitched well about every seventh game. Um, now it seems like it's a little more like every other game. Um you know, he's gotten some wins, some ugly wins here in the past um, past few games. I mean, if you look at his game log, I mean, he pitched well, you know, fairly well against Colorado. It wasn't quite as great, you know, against Philadelphia, but he pitched well against Baltimore. Got roughed up a little bit against uh, the Angels, pitched well against Kansas City. Got roughed up by Tampa Bay, pitched well for New York, or against New York, Um got roughed up by Baltimore. So it was like in every other stretch. And, uh, you know, now it's it's at least a little more consistent. And he's, again, hanging in there for a while. And there, and a couple of those starts where he got roughed up, again, it was the first inning, and then he basically shut the, shut the team down until later on in the game. So I, I don't know. Um, do I think there's better starting pitchers out there, you know, in free agency probably? Um, would I hate them? Picking him back up? No, not necessarily. But for that, I give him the hero, and uh, yeah, I don't know if you have any more to add to that. Uh, no, that's uh, good enough for me. Uh, we can just go ahead and get right into the uh, Angels series now. Uh, I think this could be a tougher series than we might have anticipated. Um. Nathan Avaldi goes game one against Jose Suarez, who has not had a very good year. Uh, 667 ERA. Uh, it's notated in there that he's been tipping his pitches, so he's probably a bit of a head case at this point. And it's nice to be matched up against a guy like that, but with Evaldi's diminished 
velocity in his last start and his own uh, issues with, you know, giving up runs and not being efficient, you know, enough to give you four or five innings, that could be a tough game. See, I don't know. For some reason, I feel like he's he's bound to have a decent game here. Um, I think he'll go like four and a third, you know, keep him in there, turn it over to the bullpen, which has been pretty good. And I think the offense, I, I think it's going to be because the offense gives him an early lead and, and just really kind of, they, they may come right out of the gate and score a bunch of runs. And then he's just going to be able to rear back and, and, and pitch fairly decent. For whatever reason, I, I think they win this one. I, I just feel like of all these two, uh, the control hasn't been bad. It's just been, you know, a little bit hittable. Um, and a little bit might be a little bit of an understatement. But, you know, I, I just I feel like somehow the Red Sox get this one. I just think it's the bullpen. This game may very, you know, on the flip side, it could be a high it, he could give up a bunch of runs and Boston could score a bunch of runs. And if it comes down to the bullpens, I think Boston's is significantly better at this, at this point. I mean, they're playing pretty well. So I think the Sox win this one. I hope so. You know, but I just, you know, I'm, I'm not, uh, uh, you know, I'm not comfortable with Evaldi, but, uh, game two, and, and you mentioned the, how in game one the bullpen could come in fairly early. Well, game two will be a bullpen game. And uh, I think it's expected that Brian Johnson will come in during the uh, middle innings. He's not going to be opening anymore or even spot starting. So uh, up against a guy named Dylan Peters, admittedly, I'm not too familiar with him. Uh, it does say he's got a 9.35 ERA over his last two starts. So this is a type of offense, you know, that we're bringing with us that can, um, you know, make that ERA worse or, or maintain it to where it is. He does have a 4.11 ERA on the year, but our bullpen has typically been pretty good when when they've been asked to go you know, more than four or five innings. You know, we've had some duds thrown uh, throughout the year to where they've had to come in. Price had that weird uh, stomach bug or whatever against Houston, and that was much earlier in the year. But the the Sox bullpen came in and uh, kept us in the game anyway. So I don't think it's the worst thing ever that um, we don't have a starter, but... Sucks that it's going to be after an Avaldi start. Yeah, uh, and and Brian Johnson sucks. So the fact that he's got to pitch a large portion of this game, uh, and because they are going to basically go back to back bullpens, that means that guys like Josh Smith and guys like um, Hector Velasquez are probably also going to be in. Oh, actually, actually Velasquez is not anymore. Uh, they're talking about calling him up for September, but guys like Josh Smith are probably going to be involved in this game. And I don't know. It's just, uh, uh, it's tough. I don't think they win this one just because, um, I, I think they're going to have to tax the bullpen too much. Uh, although, that said, if Evaldi can get through four and a third, or get through four innings, um, that that's gonna that's gonna bode well. That gives them a lot more options, and and maybe maybe they can pull it out on the second one. 
but I just feel like the chances are that you know he's he might give him three innings uh, and, and um, you know tax the bullpen in both of these games. Yeah, you know, it's too bad that Price isn't starting on Saturday because you could have slotted Erod in, um, you know, in the Sunday game, but maybe they're just trying not to overuse him too much. But I, I think the situation does kind of call for it anyway. But, um, but yeah, so Sunday you have David Price against uh, Andrew Heaney, who's – one of their more solid pitchers, um, and it it does say that he, uh, you know, has been pitching very well as of late. In his uh, last start, he had ten strikeouts against the Rangers. So this could be a guy to kind of give us fits. And our guy, David Price, we don't really know what to expect, and he didn't have a, a rehab start that I'm aware of. Just. Uh, you know, bullpen sessions and simulated games, which obviously is not the same. So just another game that has some question marks on it. Oh, absolutely. And, and Heaney, uh, he's been playing extremely well. Um, you know, he granted the last two times has been against Texas, um, where he's given up one run over, um, over 15 innings and struck out 25 guys uh, while walking three. I mean, that's, that's pretty, pretty stout. Um, you know, he's, he's pitched, I mean, three or less, three or less runs. And at least, um, his last nine games. Um, so, I mean, he's, he's doing, doing well. And I mean, here's a guy that was, that was pretty, uh, he was a, you know, a pretty um, stout uh, prospect at one point. Uh, he did pitch pretty well against the Red Sox earlier. He was just coming off the DL, so he didn't pitch. Um, back on the August fifteenth, he, uh, or I'm sorry, August eleventh, he um, he gave up one run on three hits uh, with one walk and four strikeouts in three and two thirds innings. Uh, but he had just come off the DL and didn't, you know, hadn't built up his pitch count, so they pulled him after three and two thirds. But, you know, he was pitching pretty well against them. Uh, he's got nasty stuff. I just get this feeling that Price is going to come back and and probably I I think he'll pitch okay in September, but I think he gets smashed in this one. I just feel like coming back, knocking the rust off. You know, Mike Trout's going to help him knock the rust out real quick. So you have the Red Sox winning only one out of three. Is that where you're going? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, I, one out of three, correct. <laughs> That's pessimistic for you. I wanted to say two out of three just because of our offense, but every single game does kind of have question marks on it, so it could very well be one out of three. It, you know, two out of three, I guess I'll be pleasantly uh, surprised. Uh, going forward, we got to win all three really to to stay in this race. But um, well, we'll see. Uh, uh, you know, I'll say the one win we have is Saturday. How's that? That's that's no, my that's, that's my most comfortable win. You have that as a loss. I I'm not an Avaldi yeah. guy. I and I wouldn't be surprised if Price goes out and 
gives you five or six solid innings as well. So, I mean, you, s- you could still get to two out of three, but <sighs> but we'll see. And and how motivated are the Angels at this point, anyway? Yeah, that's true. I mean, uh, that's why the only guy that I really see, uh, well, I mean, I guess I could see him, like I said, I could see him winning two out of three if Evaldi can give them any kind of anything. I can see him winning two out of three. Yeah. Um, but if he doesn't and they have to use the bullpen up, you know, Friday and Saturday, then that's that's trouble. Um, could Price win it? Could it? Could they both pitch fairly well and they stay in the game? And could yeah? I mean, I, I guess. Um, I don't know. I mean, really, the the Red Sox, given their inconsistency and and the question marks coming out of the rotation, and and those question marks are glaring on those first two matchups. Uh, you know, really anything goes. Uh, it's it's too hard to predict at this point. Right. Yeah, we'll we'll see. You know, at least it'll be a, a curious series. You know, some of these, uh, you know, bad ones. You know, we had the Orioles recently. It's hard to get excited about some of them, but uh, you got this one. Then, like I said, you got the Twins and the Yankees. So some uh, interesting uh, baseball still to be played. But you know, if we do come out of this with two out of three, David Price gives you a solid start. It, it'll help some of the pessimisms aside because suddenly you got Price pitching well, Erod, Porcello, and you're still going to patchwork the other two games. You know whether Evaldi is successful or um, you know how well we can manage a bullpen game every fifth start, but but we'll see. And you you know what you may see a lot of. Uh... Cashner, oh, true. in this as well, yeah. Because I mean, he he's probably going to play the role of long man. He and uh, he and Walden could end up being those guys. Um, and, and even I think Tyler's pitched multiple innings. A lot of these guys have been pitching multiple innings. So I don't know. Like I said, at this point, as much as we knocked him and said they needed something, um, bullpen really hasn't pitched terrible since. Uh, and honestly, I'm not even sure that they've pitched terrible. If you look at the ancillary numbers for the most part, they haven't really pitched terrible this season. They've just pitched terrible when they have the lead, and it's a close lead. That's when they tend to get have their uh, their hiccups, and you know it's resulted in blown saves. But overall, like the the, the overall numbers for this team on, on on that bullpen aren't awful you have a lot of high strikeout guys with fairly low eras it's just you know when they blow them it's at really crucial moments yeah i mean i mean workman on paper looks amazing and uh yeah i'm pulling up some uh hang on just bear with me i'm trying to get the uh on the MLB site here, trying to get the pitching numbers up. Uh, yeah, that ain't good. I clearly don't know my way around. Well, disregard that. I, I was just kind of curious. I can just tweet it out. Um, 
I'm just kind of curious to see where we rank for the month of um, August in terms of relief pitching. And because it's, there was one point, and it might have been coming into last week or the week before, where we had only given up uh, four runs on um, 30 innings. That was our bullpen. So um, I was surprised when I saw that. And, and we really haven't pitched bad since even then. So. But anyway, I guess we can just wrap on that. We're basically at our uh, targeted uh, end time, hour and 15. So uh, we'll have you back with us on uh, Sunday night. It's a 4.05 game, so it should be 10 o'clock sharp. Awesome. I look forward to it. And uh, we'll just see how, how the Angel series played out. All right. Sounds good. All right, man. Talk to you then. Have a good one. Have a good one. Episode 165, I believe, in the books. I uh, didn't have my normal intro tonight because we opted not to do a uh, periscope. And uh, so, yeah, so I didn't bother to check to see what episode we were on. Uh, oh no, it's one sixty four. So Sunday will be one sixty five. I'm kind of wondering where we'll be. We won't hit two hundred by the end of the year because uh, no playoffs. But <laughs> hard to believe it's been that many episodes. Anyway, uh, thanks for uh, joining us. Hopefully, uh, if you're on your commute, everything is going well, and uh, you know, your Friday goes well, as most of you will probably be listening to us at that point. And then have a safe and hopefully long Labor Day weekend. I, I definitely have Monday off, so um, hopefully most of you do too. Kind of like the, the unofficial final week of uh, summer. And uh, so hopefully it was a good one for everyone. And again, we will see you Sunday night. Take care. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Playing it a line drive, left field, Ben and Teddy coming on, dives, and then he makes the catch. He did it. He got it. Here we go. Time to party. Right here. 3-2. High in the air. He crushed it. It's a grand slam. Championship. Welcome to Benny and the Bets Podcast. Can you believe it? Here's-